Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the AlbumReview.net podcast. I'm Greg Potters. Thanks to all you listeners out there, and thank you for your interactions and feedback. Your feedback, guys, is much appreciated, and it helps me to always improve. All right, on today's episode, I'm joined by musician, singer-songwriter Jason Myrick. I found Jason on Instagram several months ago, and I became hooked on his music. Jason is here today to discuss his life, what motivates him, and of course, his debut album, Best Way to Be Free. Jason hails from the greater Buffalo, New York area, and I'm so grateful to have him with us on the podcast today for this special episode. You can also pick up a copy of Jason's album at albumreview.net. You can find it too on Spotify. Just to remind you all, you can read my reviews and listen to any of my podcast episodes by going to albumreview.net. These episodes can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. And in addition to this, you can read well over 30 written reviews at albumreview.net and pick up some merchandise. Come on, it's almost the holidays. Pick up some stuff from your favorite bands such as t-shirts, albums, even sound systems, and as I mentioned before, the bookstore. Want to learn more about your favorite musician or band that you can't find on the internet? Go to albumreview.net and click on the store tab where you can grab a copy of different biographies and autobiographies from artists such as Faith No More, the story of Spotify, Pink Floyd, Eric Clapton, Motley Crue, Eddie Van Halen, Tom Petty, Metallica. I've also got books from other authors that I've interviewed on these podcasts before. So the weather is cold up here in the north as I record this. So if you're up here north with me, stack the logs, light a fire in the fireplace, grab some bourbon or a New England IPA or any drink of your choice, sit back, relax, and listen to this interview and album review of Jason Myrek's 2021 release, Best Way to Be Free. So joining me today for this episode is singer-songwriter Jason Myrick. Jason, I am so pumped to have you here with us today, man. Jason hails from the Buffalo, New York area, and he's here to talk to me about a ton of stuff, including his debut album, Best Way to Be Free. So Jason, thanks so much for being on the albumreview.net podcast with us today, man. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm very pleased to be here. invited on the show i've listened to some of your other interviews and i uh, i'm really gonna enjoy being on awesome man well we've got a lot to go into today i want to talk in detail about best way to be free which is your album but before i get into that um you're recording a, a new album currently or working on something currently is that correct yeah i'm just uh we started in the beginning of november um we're kind of doing little chunks of uh studio time so like last night I went in and recorded the third song for this record. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're in the prog- uh, process of, you know, working on that and uh, I'm excited about it. It's a, it's a kind of a post pandemic, a little bit lighter, these first few songs that I did. And, and uh, uh, I'm really happy to be back in the studio. A lot of the stuff relatively new, or do you have some old stuff that you've dusted off to to put on the new album? Not not real old so far, um, yeah. but they they have been with me for a little bit 
a few leftover songs that I had for the best way to be free sessions. Mm -hmm. And then, so they're familiar, but they didn't make it on that record. And then I do have a couple other songs that I did a handful of years back that uh, my wife and daughter have requested that I um, bring back and try to do it a, a proper studio setting. So I'm excited nice. about those too. Yeah. Nice. Well, I wanted to share with the listeners the sort of the reason that I'm, I have Jason on here. I was floating around Instagram one night and I stumbled upon Jason's profile and I started listening to some of the kind of noodling that you were doing and it was instantly grabbed. I think it took me about 14 seconds to make the decision that I wanted to reach out to you, make a connection. And the end goal was to you know, ask if you might wanna join this podcast at some point soon. And then when I went back and listened to your album, I was, I really was intrigued and amazed. And, and I'm not just saying that, man. Best Way to Be Free is a fantastic album. Jason's songwriting is heartfelt, melodic and it's it's real you can feel his emotion in every song so i like to describe jason's music as what i call driving songs so among many things i categorize these songs as songs you can drive to you know so as you're rolling down the highway or through a windy road up in the northeast woods this album i think provides the soundtrack to my view out the windows you know as you're passing by gas stations farms and country stands, Jason's music has provided the background for me to a peaceful drive. And it's given me hope, man, that life's going to be okay in some of those dark times. And despite anyone's troubles, I think Jason's music provides that blanket to your soul and it ensures the listener that they're on the right path. So that's my description. So during our first meeting we had a few weeks ago, Jason and I talked for a while about music, our tastes, playing and recording. And I think Jason and I have a bunch of things in common, especially when it comes to music and the paths that we took in music. Jason, in addition to writing and recording, you also have a day job, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, I teach in a public school. I teach uh, special ed, uh, special education in the high school, um, little school outside of Buffalo. Nice. Um, yeah, I've been doing that for a little over 20 years. And uh, I really enjoy my work. I went back to school when I was a little bit older, and I feel like I kind of found my vocation when I did go back and, and started working with uh, some at-risk students and some uh, special needs kids, and I, I really enjoy it. So you really must have had some unique experiences during the pandemic because it's hard enough for, I think, anyone, even myself, to concentrate and focus what was that like, if you don't mind sharing? Um, it was definitely, yeah, it, it was a challenge uh, because we had to kind of learn everything on the fly. Um, I'm, right. I wouldn't profess to be any sort of technology guru by any means, but right. we, had to, we had to, um, you know, just get Wi-Fi to kids uh, in more rural outskirts of the, of the county and um, figure out how to do remote learning and everybody jumped in with both feet. And I think we really, everybody learned a lot in the pro, uh, process uh, and we did the best we could and the remote learning went fine. And then we brought kids back in and did kind of a hybrid schedule. Mm -hmm. And then this year, all the kids are back in the building, which is nice. That's great. You know, yeah. And how's it going so far? I know we're a couple months into the school year. So far, so good. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of a, you know, reacquainting everyone, ourselves included, the teachers, the administration and everyone um, kind of reacquainting ourselves with, you know, just what every, you know, getting all that back in place looks like uh, right. full time with all the kids. Uh, but it's going well. Uh, I think it, we're just through the first quarter. So we're about 12 weeks in. Right. I think we're gradually piecing it together, you know, as a team, you know, nice. kids and kids and adults, you know, together. Yeah. So it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Awesome. Well, before diving into your album, which I want to do, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Where, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a small town, um, about 35 miles west of Buffalo, a little town called Sheridan, New York. It's like 2000 people now. And, uh, it was a little farming community and uh you know the the biggest business was uh my dad worked in the steel plant uh, my grandpa worked in the steel plant we were all you know just blue collar people so and my experience in the small school small town was was really fun had a lot of friends you know families and and friends that we just played a lot of sports and just had listened to a lot of music and pretty good you know, scenario growing up. So pretty uneventful uh, overall. Um, Cold, I would I'm say. sure. Yeah. Cold winters. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could go down that road. Uh, and I live, so we're just a mile away or so from Lake Erie. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, when the lake effect came in, I mean, we had to, <laughs> yeah. we had to, you know, do the best we could. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and it was um, it was good. I had uh, two older siblings, an older brother and an older sister, and um, they had really good taste in music, I thought, at the time. So I was very fortunate that way. It was uh, overall good. I think, so, I think in a bio that I read of you that you had mentioned, uh, along with your parents, that your, you know, your brothers and sisters did influence your musical taste? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was really lucky. My older brother was into to really cool bands like ZZ Top, like, you know, the first two or three ZZ Top records. Listen to a lot of that. Um, some some really cool like Frank Zappa. Um, oh, and then, you know, so we had that. I uh, my sister, uh, she had a, a pretty minimal but really good record collection that I was told I should never get into, <laughs> which of course was like a, a full green light for me to investigate. That was Led Zeppelin, a uh, wide variety. It was, you know, Led Zeppelin. It was, um, you know, Stevie Wonder, you know, mm -hmm. Songs in the Key of Life. And then Jethro Tull, Eric Clapton. And what I really remember from her collection that I wasn't supposed to get into was um, Abbey Road, Mm -hmm. uh revolver uh the beatles uh the blue and the red greatest hits records yeah i can't even tell you how many times i listened to those as like a 11 or 12 year old and to get into that and uh, you know so i was lucky awesome. i was lucky she told me to never touch those records <laughs> right because it made you want to do it <laughs> because more, it was right? like <laughs> it was like obvious yeah so i was the kid in like seventh or eighth grade that you know found the one or two other kids that you know knew of the Beatles and wanted to talk about you know the difference between John Lennon's writing and Paul McCartney so I was you, lucky that way do you remember when it kind of it first hit you that music was 
something that you were really going to take seriously? Like, was there a moment or a time frame that it really hit you? As far as playing it, um, it, I think it more so I knew that I couldn't do without it. But as far as being a musician, it, it really never occurred to me until much later. Yeah. Uh, but I was from the very early, uh, very early time, I could tell you that I always wanted to have music on and I just whatever was available, I wanted to listen to, like constantly, it was my go to over TV or video games or anything right. like that. Right. So, but it was much later, because I we will talk about this, I'm sure later, but bought a guitar later, when I was 17 or so. And I was just I was not very good for quite some time. So it was like persistence. <laughs> so it never dawned on me that it would be anything more than just kind of like to kind of push into it and, and see what I could. I don't know. I'm stumbling a little bit here. No, but. I'm I'm with you. I think, you know, you one of the things that drew me to want to reach out to you was when I was looking at your Instagram page, you kind of put a commitment down there to some of your followers. And, and obviously there's a lot of these people that you might not even know where you were sort of committing to them or putting, holding yourself accountable that you were going to practice at least 15 minutes a day. And I can remember reading that and thinking to myself, I don't even know this guy and I'm inspired right now. And it, you know, after talking to you more, it kind of inspired me to, to go back and do the same thing. It's just, just 15 minutes a day. You know, I think that's really interesting. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't have, and maybe this is, and we'll get into it in a little bit, because you gave me a phenomenal recommendation for a, a book to read. That's another piece that I've grown with over the last number of years is just trying to stay inspired and, you know, getting down about certain things. And, and to, to, to talk about that or to segue a little bit, this is a question, Jason, that I've asked several of my fellow music aficionados. Was music, when you were a kid and you first started getting into music, was did you consider it kind of an outlet growing up? Like, did, did you first start listening to music to escape something or someone? I think so. I think that, well, the two older, older siblings that I did have were five years and four years older than me. So I was never officially part of what they had going. So I was kind of like, I would, you know, kind of, I was aware, but I was always left behind a little bit. Right. And that gave me the opportunity to um, get into those records and then kind of a latchkey kid. I don't know if that term makes sense now, um, but my mom worked nights. My dad worked, you know, kind of whatever shift came up and I was on my own a lot. Um, so I don't know if it was necessarily like, quote unquote, escape, but it was definitely my thing. There was no other entertainment. Right. Um, and I love music so much that it just, it, it drew me in and I, and I just, I always had that. Yeah. So it, it was like, as far as like, uh, I guess it was an outlet because I lived in a place where if your parents weren't around, I'm way out, kind of way out in the country, you know, you're not getting anywhere, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can, if you, you know, you, you put a lot of miles in on the bike and you get to a friend's house and you play all day football, baseball, basketball. And then if nobody's home at night, you know, you listen to music for like two, three hours and just that's right. what you do. Right. So. Yeah. In case you're wondering why I was asking, despite my sort of safe 
comfortable upbringing. I, I grew up with a lot of angst and I've been really digging deeper into this over the last decade or so, especially teenage angst. And, mm -hmm. you know, through the years of, you know, well, it, talking it out with people, I, I came to the realization that music was really, I use the word blanket a lot, you know, it was a blanket for me, meaning it was my kind of safe place. And so anytime I was angry, or sad or scared or anything, music would literally make me feel it better. It would make me feel naturally high. I'm always interested to find out if other people felt that way, because at the time I kind of felt like it was, you know, I was the only one. I was sort of alone on that island. Yeah, no, I can definitely relate because my situation too, my older brother got a little bit, when he got a little bit older, things got a little rocky with him. He was kind of a, he was kind of a, he pushed the limits. We'll put it that way to, in a conservative um, <laughs> way. Sure. So things got, you know, when things would get a little volatile, the music was a bit of an escape and, and uh, an outlet. So, yeah. but it was like, I always had different, you know, there was all these genres, uh, music to tap into for whatever mood I was in. It right. was always music. It still is. Like I, I even tell the students that I work with, it's like, you, you know, they want to, they, they have their earbuds in and they're always listening to music. And I'm like, I can totally relate. Like I, I love music. So, but it's always something different. Right. So I still have that today, but it was like that when I was younger too. I, yeah. So I can relate with what you're saying because whatever the day brought, it was like, I knew what I was going to go to if I was going to go kind of like go to my place and, and put the record on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I know so, exactly what you mean. Yeah. I've got to give you another shout out as well. I could tell immediately in our first meeting that you were a focused guy and, and like any human being, we can get distracted, right? So in our first conversation, you recommended the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And I read it and I thought it was incredibly motivating. And in fact, I noted it on a post and put it on my website for people to, you know, go to the link and purchase. And I actually got a, a like from Stephen himself, which I thought awesome. was really cool. <laughs> um, I was <laughs> particularly, cool. it really cool. I, I was particularly drawn to the chapter, Jason, where Pressfield talks about not veering off the path and staying in line with your goals and, and the things that motivate you for your project, whatever your project is, you know? So the minute that you start worrying about what the public wants is the minute you've lost. And I think I'm paraphrasing there, but hopefully, you know, people get the idea. As much as I do pay attention to what the public wants, I'm also reminded of many of the successes in the world by people who were just folks that stuck to their guns. It's a tough nut to crack because I feel like you have to have a little bit of both, right? So did, did this book, Jason, influence you and motivate you to keep on writing? Yeah, actually, the Pressfield piece was it was something that I stumbled upon through another artist. And that's why I felt compelled to tell you about the book and other artists. Like I even have a couple other people at work that are writers and, and they write poetry and they write you know, songs and and a couple want to write books and novels and things like that. And I I, I feel compelled to like point the book out just because it hit me right at the right time. And it might not make sense to everybody, but like just at the time I, I stumbled across it, it was the right time for me. And I, I was following up. I had gone to see a band called Lucero. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar. 
Um, no. I lo- love Lucero. Um, wonderful. Uh, check them out. Yeah, they're super good. And they were playing a little bar in a little club in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And a guy named Paul Luke was opening for him. And Paul Luke, I'd also really recommend um, taking a listen to. So it was like an unknown person to me. Uh, and I really liked the songwriting. Talked to him a little bit after the show. And then I read a couple things about him. In one of the interviews that he did, he mentioned the Pressfield book. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Okay, well, I'm the type of person when I, I'm like, oh, right. so I wanted to check it out. It really helped me just because it talks a lot about the difference between uh, inspiration and kind of putting it. I had been up to that point, I had kind of worked songwriting like it had to be a specific time and a, and a certain inspiration, which I think is super valid. And if that's the way you write, like, 1000% like do it. But for me, what resonated was if you have that one place to go and you sit there and you go to it every day, you're either going to write something that surprises you. Uh, if you put the pen on the page or you're going to kind of like write something that <laughs> you need, you needed to get out of your system. Cause it's not that good. <laughs> right. So, you know what I mean? So it's totally. like, if you do that 30 days in a row, uh, you're going to maybe have 26 things that are like, you're not going to want to like follow wholeheartedly down the path, but there might be four or five things uh, that surprise you. And that's what really got me with Pressfield. So I just, I, I, I set the bar really low with the 15 minutes and it's really helped. So over time and his whole idea is to build a body of work and to try to do the, something with consistency over time. And it could be, like I said, it doesn't have to be songwriting. It could be like have a friend who's trying to write a novel. And right. uh, it's just the the, the kind of like sitting and doing that in a sort of, sort of regimen. And then um, I started really digging into some of my other favorite songwriters. And it turns out, you know, like guys like Jason Isbell and, and uh, another short story writer that I really think a lot of George Saunders and some of these guys, <clears throat> even Jeff Tweedy, if you, if you kind of look at it as like, you're going to put your time in, something's going to happen. So it kind of flipped the script on uh, how I approach things. And um, it's helped me. It's helped me a lot because these songs wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that you know, just kind of like being in the spot. So if you take like a little kernel of uh, an idea and then you sit with it for a little bit, it may turn into something. Uh, so well said. I don't know if I'm, I'm kind well of said. went off on a tangent no, there and there's no, so much to it. I think it's, I think it's important to mention, and I wanted to bring it out and, and talk about it in this interview, because I think that motivation is something that we all need from time to time. And it's not just something, this book for me is something that I'm going to read probably for the rest of my life. And because I, for me, I, I need it every once in a while. Again, it's the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. And I'll talk about it more later and I'll put a link up uh, another link up on my site, but it's um, just an incredibly motivating book. And I can't thank you enough for, you know, for making the recommendation. So well, I'm glad um, you read it. You know, I'm always I, looking for good things to read. I've, I've tried to, I've tried to wean myself off of TV. Well, um, yeah. Like I said, when I, when I introduced it to you and it, 
it's not going to be for everyone. It just hit me right at the right time because he talks a lot about resistance, quote unquote, and resistance. the things that kind of like yeah. knock you off your artistic path. And <laughs> almost everything that he said applied to me. And, <laughs> you know, we'd like to think that we're invincible when we're writing and we don't get off track. But, you know, when you really kind of put it in the right context, it's like, it doesn't take much to get in our way. And it's usually not anything major it's something that we encounter that we put the the roadblocks in front of ourselves because somebody else Absolutely. thinks something or whatever so yeah i don't know so i don't want to go too far into it no i'm i'm with you I, I, just, I think it's really important you know it's it's uh to quote tom petty some things i worry about never happen anyway that's 100 um, percent right and 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 so you know this book was just i think it can help anybody even if you're not necessarily creative if you're trying to start something, whether it's a new diet or a new exercise regime or whatever, you know, I think that he uses the word resistance and um, I look at it in a whole different way now. So, all right, on to your album. So okay. best, best way to be free. You're going to, I'm going to get you to do a lot of talking about yourself. So just be aware, Jason. All right. <laughs> your, your lyrics, your intentions, and even the sound quality in this album it's just exceptional. I think the lyrics, as I said earlier, the lyrics are very honest and I can tell you're really pouring your heart out here. You worked with a producer on this album. Uh, am I pronouncing his name right? Ken, Ken Rutowski? Rutkowski, Rutkowski, yeah. Ken Rutkowski. Um, yeah. How, did, how did you originally find Ken? Ken is a guy that I knew way back when I was in high school. Uh, he was a year behind me. Oh, nice. And uh both graduated a bunch of years ago. I won't say how many years, but I was aware that he was a super talented musician in high school uh, and that he went on to Fredonia State, which is right in our right in our backyard here. Wonderful music school. And that I kind of knew that he went on to produce, you know, set up the studio and, and produce a lot of different acts in the Buffalo area. So in the back of my mind, when I started to kind of put some songs together, I thought, you know, I'm going to give Ken a call. And finally, after running these songs by my playing them for my wife, and I've got two daughters, and they're like, they call my management team, like they listen to these songs, and they're like, okay. And then they're kind of like my you know, that's how I figure out whether or not these songs are going to be, you know, whether I pursue them in a lot of cases. And um, then after I started like taking the, the writing part a little more seriously and, and building up a little bit of a, a backlog of songs, I said to them, I said, I got this crazy idea. And uh, then I, you know, said I was going to call a producer and all three were like, yeah, why don't you? We've been waiting for this. So they were super supportive. Yeah, I called Ken and immediately we kind of like hit it off again after a long yeah, time of long not time. talking at all. Yeah. Um, he said, come on in. And uh, we just started kind of chipping away. And the, honestly, the learning curve for me in the studio was pretty steep. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but because I'm kind of a campfire drummer guy. I like to sing my own songs and, you know, but it's like little get togethers and things like that. So it was very undisciplined, yeah. you know, no click track, no drum track, kind of just like tempos varied and things like that. So 
went in there and he had been doing this for so long. He understood what I needed to do and kind of gave me realistic things for me to work on. And that by that, like playing in time, it was the main thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, I remember the first time I recorded and I had to adjust to that and I eventually yeah. did, but it was hard at the beginning. Yeah. So he's like, well, we can do it your way, certainly. And I was like, fine. But then we wanted to bring more musicians in. And he's like, well, you know, you want to be in time so you we can layer the, these tracks. And I was like, so I had to be. So that was my assignment. Right. And but so he, he was, was he was kind of hands on. I was going to be my next question. He was without getting in your way too much. Uh, he was he gave you some assignments to do. Well, yeah, I don't know. Assignments, it was like, if we want to do this right, uh, we've got to get, you know, we've got to get you working with a click track and things like that. So pushing you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. 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 So we did, we worked through that. That leads me to my next, my next question. You, You just mentioned a moment ago, Jason, that you brought in a bunch of musicians for for the ride to record with you uh, on violin you had am i pronouncing the name right lena yeah lena uh lena pasqualati yes uh yeah. incredible violinist <laughs> yeah yeah um super fortunate again with the the relationship with ken and it, it was comfortable for me even though it was brand new because he was so used to doing what he was doing and i was like uh with the the demos that I brought in, like, and I had cello parts and violin parts on my rough demos from my house, everything I brought up to him, he was like, well, I've got to introduce you to Lena. And I'm like, okay. And then I send her, send her best way to be free. And, and she just, she took it and ran with it. And it was wonderful. And then introduced me to uh cave. Yeah. Wilson, who was, he was your drummer, played, right? Played drums. Yeah. yeah. And Tim Rose, and these are guys who had played on a bunch of other records before and had worked with Ken. And when we got together, they had been doing this for in the studio for a much longer time. So right. that professionalism and how they, you know, approached it was another part of the learning experience for me, which was awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. They definitely added a lot of color to the album no doubt so and then to play guitar you had john john calvin abney yeah and that was that's kind of an interesting story and i i hope i don't go too far to draw that out but that was kind of a go for it well i'm a huge fan of john moreland uh and i don't know how many of the people that are going to be listening know of john moreland but he's just he's out of texas Mm -hmm. writes folk songs and and I know we could list a ton of singer songwriters, but what he's writing right now is as I personal opinion, I think is as good as most of anything that's out there. His lead guitar player is a guy named John Calvin Abney, who is a wonderful, you know, multi-instrumentalist guy and has multiple solo records on his own that, I would highly recommend. Okay. I'm going to check them out for sure. Yeah. Wonderful. And it's out of that Oklahoma, Oklahoma scene. Okay. So uh, just so many good musicians, John Fulbright and, and, and those guys that are all there. So this was a couple of years before I even started more or getting more serious about writing. I was at a show, a small club show to see John Moreland. 
And uh, John Calvin Abney and I, after the concert, got into uh, a, a conversation just about music, his guitar playing, a lot of different influences that we sh- shared, a lot of favorites. Uh, Dave Rawlings, which is one of my favorites. And yeah, I mean, he's wonderful. But um, so John Calvin Abney and I, we it's a it's a one time thing. We share a conversation and I say, you know, I I write songs. And he's like. He's sincerely interested and we kind of hit it off. And I said, if eventually I can get some of these in the studio and do some proper stuff. And he's like, okay, send them over. And then a year and a half later, it's during the pandemic and I'm working on this record. And uh, I was actually trying to work out a lead part for my former plan. And it, it was late at night. And it, it just hit me. I, I said, you know what? I bet you John would be able to just know exactly what to do here. So that night I actually like messaged him and he said, well, I'd be glad to check out the songs. And uh, he checked out the songs and he's like, got back to me. I was pleasantly surprised. He got back to me and said, you know what? I'm on board. I want to talk about them all uh, a little bit more in a, in a little bit. They yeah. Getting into the album, the opening track is called Another New Beginning. I wanted to give you my take on this track. I'm going back to the term that I used before, driving song. I've been using this my whole life and I don't necessarily put any song in this category. I think this track is warm. These are the things I was thinking about. Warm, happy, open. It's a definite driving song. I picture driving my Jeep through the countryside and I pictured Vermont because I used to go there a lot as a kid. It's a Saturday morning in late fall. (laughs) The leaves that are still on the trees are reddish with a brown yellow tint to them. And as I drive, the movement of my Jeep pushes these leaves that have fallen on the road to the side. You can picture it. It's a perfect morning. My coffee's just kicked in which means I'm feeling grateful for everything I have and everything I've accomplished. And another new beginning is playing on my car stereo. And this actually happened. And as I drive through this beautiful visual town that reminds me of a screensaver, this to me is the perfect driving song. You can't always have what you're so sure you want Can't always have your own way In this life you see There ain't no guarantees At the risk of sounding cliche Oh, in a moment's time You'll understand what you gain by giving some way. Another new beginning awaits your resolve. Push through that door and your fears will dissolve. Could you talk to me a little bit, Jason, about what the origin of this song is? Well, 
Well, thank you so much. I mean, I love this, the, the description. Oh, there's more coming. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate that. Another new beginning. It, it, that one started as just a riff. Um, guitar, I, just kind of an acoustic open ringing riff that so the music on that one definitely came first and sat with me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then I played it basically as a way to warm up a little bit vocally. I started to get to the point where I wanted to, I was like, I have to put lyrics to this. And because I wanted to create a song around, around the guitar part. And I had just kind of, uh, I'd been through some things and I, and I don't honestly know where those lyrics came from. It's just, it was, I was kind of, I think the overarching theme for that point in time was I really kind of wanted to reinvent or go through a bit of a renaissance. I kind of wanted to like create, something musically and have something and and build on something and and that's just what ended up kind of coming out uh but again yeah. it was just a writing session that you know i just had that that track the the musical part on a loop and that's what ended up coming out and it it kind of like capsulized how i felt and i thought it was a good first track for the record uh it's one of my daughter's favorites, so nice. uh, it worked out well. And it, it, it kind of does have a little bit of a driving thing to it. It's it's uh, without thinking, it was not premeditated. It was just uh, another new beginning, a way to resolve. It, it all seems a little simplistic, but... Which I, sometimes I, are I, the I, best songs, right? I think a lot I, of musicians say, you know, I worked on... Sorry to interrupt you, but I think, I, yeah. you know, you're making a great point. And I agree with you as a songwriter, a lot of times I, I've been working on certain songs still to this day for years and years and years. And sometimes the best songs just sort of flow out of you or they just drop out of you. And you're not necessarily sure what exactly they're about. Some are very intentional and they're about this person, or at least some of my songs are. This is about this person during this time frame. But some of them are just, they just kind of flow out of you. And many times those are the, those are some of the best, right? So yeah. Yeah, and I, I felt good about it. It kind of, it, I mean, that one, if if any of the people that are listening do listen to it, it, it became kind of the mantra for calling the producer and, and doing any of this. So, nice, um, nice. you know, just That's kind of your door opener. Yeah, you know, yeah. because I had a lot of reservations and I'm not, a, uh, I'm a pretty quiet person overall. So talk about myself for the songs is not uh, something that um <laughs> i don't know if i'll ever be all that comfortable with I, but I this this I one is like kind of if i do this as the first song it, it reminds me that i should probably try to you know push myself outside my comfort zone i think that's why i'm kind of drawn to you jason because i was never so much a huge fan in, uh, of the kind of glitz and glam and i really got into as i got to high school the musicians that would i remember going to see a concert and the artist just stared at the floor the whole time but whenever he would open up his mouth and sing it was just amazing and then when the the song was over or the show was over he'd just kind of quietly go thank you and you know and, <laughs> and turn around and walk away 
And I love that. And I remember leaving that show and friends of mine going, I wish that band was a little bit more, you know, interesting. And I thought, okay. oh, man, no, because it's 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 about the music. That interests me more. And when I go see a musician, uh, especially when I talk to musicians who might be a little reluctant to talk about themselves, don't ever lose that. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. So thank you. Track two, Jason, I, I feel I feel like track two with me is the the title it kind of has a country feel to it at two minutes and 42 seconds your second song with me it gets right to the point no i i take it back the song doesn't have a country feel to it this is a country song am i right yeah i would yeah. say yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> where did this one come from oh boy well this one is I kind of had sketched out, this came from a poem and I wrote it probably on a break at work or something. You're kind of putting, I, I, I like it because you're sort of putting different genres. I was trying to explain to some friends of mine, you know, what genre you are. And I was like, oh, he's probably not going to like this. But I was like, you know what? I can't necessarily put it into one. So a lot of times I just go back to some musicians I know, you know, say, use the title Americana. Um, yeah, I go back to kind of singer songwriter. And I feel like every time I say that people know what I mean. But I just I like the fact that this was a little bit of a mix. It was a little bit different. There's something great about a, a singer songwriter that has a feel and it has sort of the same type of formula. But in many ways, I really admire singer songwriters who write different kinds of songs. And I went to college in the South. Uh, yeah, I'm born and raised up here in the Boston area, but I went to college in the South. And you know, I really grew in my years down there to really respect country music a lot more. And we're talking more like the kind of old school stuff. I didn't as much get into the glitzy and glammy Garth Brooks type of stuff. No offense to any of you fans out there, but yeah. So this song with me, it, 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 it drew me in as well. And I really dug the fact that you were sort of putting something in a little bit different there. My indecisive ramblings and ill-advised gamblings have put me in this spot again. Long the fortune deal was sitting watching me stare blindly at the clock doing nothing consequence or means. Inspired by vision, but plagued by indecision. Most things I've started sitting wait for me to come back. Yeah. I appreciate that. And like I, and we talked about this too, and it's just the different uh, styles of music that, you know, you listen to over the years and it's, right. it's, and I feel like I've listened to enough country style music and my, my in-laws are really into like older kind of George Jones and uh, you know, Waylon Jennings. And I, I love that stuff. Um Johnny Cash and things like that. And now you've got so many wonderful Americana, you know, I mentioned Jason Isbell earlier, but there's Tyler Childers and, and there's Sturgill Simpson and, you know, so it's a country thing, but it's, it's with the potential of working its way into like a country folk sort of thing where there might right. be a little bit of a, a story or a little twist and turn. So I think I was just kind of having fun with that 
that genre. And I, and I have, even for this next record, there's, there's always going to be one or two of these on every record is what I really want. You know, something that's just kind of like a jumpy kind of country vibe with a little bluegrass break or two uh, where it can just be, you know, a toe tapper and hopefully the lyrics hold up. So it's like got a little extra i don't know something to it so that's where that came from it's kind of a it's kind of a a familiar a familiar uh format in Mm -hmm. in the in the progression and things like that but i i I try to change it up so like some of these songs do have when i play them live they have those openings where we can do it can turn into a you know, a little extended jam, like Grateful Dead or Almond Brothers feel to it. You know what I mean? Love it. Yeah. I mean, that's, Absolutely. that was a big part of my, my uh, musical diet growing up. So all Same. these have those little opportunities where we can turn eight bars into 42 bars. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, so. <laughs> well, track three gets even juicier. The, the third song is called I'm Looking Up. And Jason, I think I don't know. I, I had trouble figuring this out, but I think that I, I I think this is my favorite. I'm powering up all my special forces, all my lost and found resources. That will save this day I'm calling up All my long lost losses All my win at all cost causes That will help me make it through I've been looking all around For what I've lost Won't stop until it's found And I pray today will be the day That I find my way back to you It's, it's heartful, and the, the saxophone that breaks in after the first chorus gives me a bit of an 80s vibe, and, you know, don't be mistaken, I, I dig it. You know, I've, I've been looking, you know, I'm going to quote you here, I, I've been looking all around for what I've lost, won't stop until it's found, and I pray today will be the day, oh, love that part that I find my way back to you. And then the sax comes in and it, it takes you to that next verse. And I think this is just a gorgeous ballad. Now that's, that's Ken, your producer on the sax, correct? It is. Yeah. What was yeah. it his idea to add that instrument in or did you kind of plan that all along? Well, the way that ended up happening, and this is the beauty of having a guy like Ken in the studio on my, my little logic pro setup. in in my space here you know i bought the little midi keyboard with the 25 keys and then you know you have access to all these instruments and i did have the break arranged and it was kind of in place but i had a clarinet part that i had played on the keyboard and i said to ken i 
you know, I have a clarinet part here. And he's like, well, I don't play clarinet, but I can grab my saxophone. Um, And I was like, cool. So, and we didn't even listen to the original demo. I kind of like hummed a little bit of the melody that I had uh, the clarinet part worked out. And he's like, okay, cool. But in that first part, do you, you know, and then he kind of like, we, we had like a five minute back and forth. Yeah. So three takes later, this is what we had. And it was, like I said, I, I just very lucky. Uh, it, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I have to give a shout out to Ken on that because, you know, he's been able to, everything I try to explain from a non-technical standpoint He's like interpreting and then figuring out a way to translate it into very highly developed technical, like music theory type stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been cool. But no, I love that part. That song, and I do appreciate you saying the words are so kind. It's like, but that is the one that people tend to gravitate to. It's And at first when I played that for the immediate kind of like my wife and my daughters and a couple of close friends, the saxophone took them a little off guard. And, but then after you, you realize that it is a folk song and you're expecting a harmonica or you're expecting a guitar part. I mean, it, so it seemed like people do like it, you know, and I, and I, and then I started to listen to it and then I'm just happy that we have that there because, you know, after a couple of listens, then you're, you're like waiting for Ken's, saxophone part to come in it be a different song without it right i i i i hearken back to and i was like i wonder if jason was thinking this i hearken back to when i recorded my first demo and this was 20 years ago and i remember i i wrote a piece just on acoustic guitar with my vocals and then i left for the evening and i let my my producer just kind of play with it for a little while he came back i came back the next day and he had put some just some simple keyboard in the background uh-huh. and it gave the song so much body and i wasn't yeah. expecting him to do this i figured he was just going to be there clicking buttons going okay go i paid him to give me his insight and also to do a little bit of of additions where he thought they might be necessary and i just remember the feeling when i heard that he said i, I hope i hope you're okay with this greg and i was like are you kidding me so i was like i wonder if I was picturing you in a room and Ken's like, Hey, uh, let me know what you think about this. And then you hear that you hear the sound of a, of a space bar being clicked, you know, being tapped and then boom, the song comes up. And I'm like, I wonder if Jason's face was like, Oh my God, I love this. No. Yeah. It, it was similar to that because there's a separate room in the studio where the piano and a couple brass instruments were, he came out and started like noodling around on the saxophone. And I'm like, okay, this is definitely going to work. But then, you know, I didn't know that just a few, tra- a few attempts later, we were going to be like really zeroing in on like the, what he ended up coming up with. It was yeah. honestly super good. Yeah. So that's great. That's great to have him there. So the, the, the fourth song can't be too late. I think it has a cool intro buildup before the rhythm kicks in. Can't be too late 
never wasted time So much deliberation Can't be too late Can't be too late Bring me from these days Self-induced sedation Can't be too late Can't be too referring to when you say save me from myself could you elaborate on that at all man you're gonna make me talk about the lyrics right? <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's why i'm here but um yeah i mean i could tell you what it specifically means to me i mean i just i i've heard so many different people tell me what it means to them that i am gonna be hesitant sure um so I, I guess in a literal, in a literal sense, I mean, I guess to put it simply, like I've been my own biggest roadblock to even pursuing this. So I'm right there with you, you know what I mean? So if we, as well. if we, if, uh, you know, I would go with that in the, in the most literal sense, um, there's other Makes pieces of sense. it, pieces of it and more layers, but it can't be too late. It's been, you know, I've been dabbling with this for many years. Um, and Honestly, to get a little bit sentimental, um, I mean, that line can't be too late came to me. My uh, my older brother passed away early in 2019. And um, when I was, I just was in the studio and I was thinking about him and I was, and he was a talented guy and a wonderful guy, had many things he could have pursued. And um, there's probably a ton of people that would have told me that it was too late for me to do any of this stuff. And, uh, right. you know, so that's, this whole record is kind of a tribute to, to, it's not too late, you know, it can't be because if you do it, it's there. So I couldn't agree um, more. So, and that it's on the top of the page that I wrote that day. And then everything else came after that. So, yeah. It, so it's that's thank you for sharing that and and i can certainly relate in many ways and so now that's uh that's john calvin abney playing harmonica in the back correct yeah yeah, yeah. that's an, that's another thing and it's like i was actually kind of reflecting back on another new beginning and with me um and i'm afraid i didn't <laughs> highlight what john did on those tracks enough when i sent those tracks out uh, can't be too late. The uh, same thing. You know, John sat with those tracks for a week or two and was just coming off the road. Like another new beginning was a track I didn't even think I was going to send to him. I was mm -hmm. like, it was kind of a piece all on its own. And then to hear the things that he did with his lead guitar on that and the different nuanced little background things and the harmonics and the and all the things, it was like, I'll never hesitate to get other people's interpretations for these songs again um the drum parts and john's parts and things with me all those little bluegrass those cool licks that he does in that break like that break i take myself out of the equation and i play that song as a fan of what he's doing um and i you know what i mean regardless take me out of it i'm still listening to that guitar can't be too late 
it was one of those things. And I had kind of that break built in. And I, you know, I said to John, I'm like, I'm picturing kind of like a Dave Rawlings, um, Dave Rawlings meets Jerry Garcia. Okay. You know, that type of thing, that and my former plan. And he got back to me and he's like, I listened to it and I'm feeling more like old school, like Mike Campbell and Tom Petty. The reason I, and it, this is like a sidebar, the reason I went back and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I can't overemphasize how much it meant for me to have John play on these tracks when I sent these out. So that's why I kind of tracked back to the another new beginning and with me, because I'm like, you know, like I said, I'm thinking, did I, I mean, I can't say like, he just elevated the whole thing with all these different little parts that he put on it. Right, right. You, you were talking about the the drums and the guitar, solid drum track. I think it's a real like grooving song. It just has this great groove to it. What what was the electric guitar that was playing rhythm in the back? Uh, was it a was it a Gibson? Well, this uh, on Can't Be Too Late. It was um, so we so John got back to me and he was like, "No, I'm hearing more like a like a." old kind of tom petty mike campbell thing yeah and then he's like he gets back to me and he's like i'm hoping you're okay with this but i just i cranked up the fender princeton reverb with a with a vintage telecaster i was just sitting there trying to figure it out i have this obsession sometimes i'm like what guitar is this and i don't want to you know cheat and try to find out you know or look it up or whatever i'm always like no, no, yeah 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 no and he said that it was you know just kind of that old kind of you know 15 watt tube amp just put all the way to the top in a, in a telecaster so he put that arpeggiated like playing through the chords through the telecaster on the track and i was like okay all right so that that really like put the foundation there for it and when he sent it back he didn't he didn't have anything in the solo breaks and i was like hmm and then i i went in and did the the little in the two solo breaks I kind of had something in my head and what I did on the initial um, home studio thing I did in the studio with Ken. So, and that was just a, that was just a Stratocaster and me trying to like, I'm not a, I'm not a lead guitar player, but that was what, you know, kind of a simple pattern that I had worked up. So. Now, was there a lab stop, uh, a lab stop? Now, was there a lab steel uh, going uh, in this one as well? Did I, did I hear that correctly? That one, I think he used a lab steel on my former plan. Okay. But on this one, he did the the Telecaster. Okay. And then he did Just the harmonic the harmonica parts. Yeah. And the harmonica and I had a very simple harmonica part built into this in the in the home studio demo. But then his his harmonica playing is. <laughs> quite uh really good quite a bit more advanced than what i had so yeah i was yeah. super pleased with it um awesome so yeah we got kind of like uh you know and that's again with this record i think the next one and all the ones to come there'll be something that's kind of like i guess would be a tribute to like a neil young crazy horse like tom yeah. petty I definitely you know, got of, that. Yeah. Some of the people that I grew up, you know, that some maybe of my not favorites as... for sure. No, I mean, <laughs> so, have you seen the Tom Petty documentary that just came out on YouTube? The, is it's it the a, one, the, the making of the wildflowers? Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing, but, um, I haven't seen the whole thing either. It's a couple hours long, but maybe over the Thanksgiving holiday, I'll probably finish it. And then, and then the Beatles one is dropping on, um, Listen to me using the word dropping now. I hate that. Um, <laughs> the Beatles one is coming out uh, on thanks on Thanksgiving Day. And okay. that's going to be, I'm so excited about that. But yeah, you mentioned Tom Petty. I, I don't want to dive too far down a rabbit hole, but it, it, he's up there with one of my favorites. And to this day, I have to admit, it's actually hard for me to listen to Tom because I just get, I just get bummed. Uh, that was a, that was a death that, it was more than a day of, oh, that's a shame. I really dug his music. Like I, I feel it. I, Petty's music was, yeah, just it, it. It, it's been with me my whole life. And I can remember going to one of his concerts when I was a little kid and being like, this guy doesn't have a bad song. And so I mention all this because first you said it, but also I hear a lot of the Petty influences and Neil Young influences, and I think that's what you know, draws me to it as, uh, as well. So, well, moving on to your, some of your other tunes, I want to get to as many of these, well, all of these really, the, the album's title track, Best Way to Be Free. This is the album's fifth track and at five minutes and five seconds long, this is the album's longest. And one could maybe argue that this is my favorite one. It's kind of a country driving song to me. Again, I'm using driving over and over, but it really has that feel. You've got that beautiful acoustic groove with the, it's a country lap steel going on softly in the back, right, Jason? That one Am is- Am I not hearing a lap steel every time or is it somebody just uh, playing a really, really great guitar that sounds like it? That's John playing lead guitar on, I think it's like a vintage Martin, you know, wow. and him just, him- playing his acoustic guitar. I think this song is exceptional. I mean it. it talk, talk to me about the architecture of the song. Like, how did you build it? Oh, boy. This one... <laughs> this one was... Uh, I had been in the studio for a few different... Uh, a few times um, and starting to get my feet underneath me a little bit. And I really wanted to bring this song in. But I also knew that the the arrangement was <laughs> I knew it was a five minute song that I wanted to have, you know, cellos and violins and things right. like that, and a long, you know, extended break, and and I even told Ken when I when I went in, I'm like, you know, this is where we're really gonna we're really gonna stretch our limits a little bit, and uh, I guess that with this when I when this one came along, it, it just was kind of a ballad. And I remember when I got done writing it, I said, boy, that's like a lullaby. It's kind of a, it's kind of a ballad meets lullaby type of thing. And um, then the words kind of came out, you know, it was a pandemic kind of looking at what was going on and so on. But then I played it for my, my daughters and they really liked it. Seems like everyone loves hearing about the latest conspiracy I'd be lying if I said it didn't include me I'm kind of sad to see this drama define our history But I really can't judge lest I start working on me Y'all can't figure out the best way to be free. I'm craving and daring's 
to get the best of me In the meantime I'll try my best to be me Even when my best ain't Even when my best ain't Even when my best ain't So Just like what brought you was that partly your idea? Did Ken bring that up, or like the cello is just such a great addition? Well, thank you. When I got that MIDI keyboard and realized that I had access to all these instruments, I this one I really went. <laughs> I, I had five minutes worth of stuff, and I and I kind of I had a bunch of I, layered violins and cellos and things like that. So I had those ideas, and then Ken being the the theory guy and uh him knowing lena uh and we kind of just we got in the studio and we just kept on layering part after part after part like lena's parts and then like a, a upright bass where tim played with a bow and we got the lowest notes on the on the bass and then yeah and so with lena and then we we pulled that apart so it was just each bow pull was like part of a chord and we kind of like pieced it all together but that one i i knew that was going to be a stretch because again it was a five minute song and right and um i knew it was going to be pretty elaborate so i had to kind of stick to my guns on that one and I, my whole thing was that even when i sent it over to lena for her to listen to the the earliest demo of it and i said no pressure but this is my daughter's favorite song so. <laughs> don't mess <laughs> and, it up <laughs> and man i couldn't i i was just you know uh, my jaw just dropped when i heard what she was playing because it was so beautiful well so thank you for really... sharing that I, I i agree i mean obviously as the as a listener and hearing it for the first time and then second third fourth time and you know i wanted to mention jason i hope you're not thrown off by some of my descriptions of your songs to to, to my audience that these are descriptions of my personal feelings and this is just what flows out of me when i listen to your music music that evokes this kind of feeling to me is uh, I just have to talk about it. Um, so because not all music does invoke this kind of feeling. So when I when I listen to the next track, Dancing with My Demons, all right, I love this. I, I'm immediately brought back to college. Okay. I told you a little bit about sort of my minor, somewhat my college experience. Uh -huh. Now, not that your song was in existence 25 years ago. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it just hadn't been formulated yet. This song invokes a party feel for me. He said there was a time I thought I had it all figured out Walked around this town without a single doubt Gonna make a difference for certain someday Thought, oh, it won't be long, I'll be on my way Then one day the hands on the clock just up and stopped moving 
stuck in first gear Everything I touched I ruined A lot of doors stay I'm sure would he miss all them deadlines Dancing with my demons Became my brand new pastime Dancing with my demons Became my brand new so as I mentioned to you earlier, I went to college in the South. Every time I would be outside, I can just picture a beautiful spring day, even in the fall too. The fall down there is just beautiful. There was almost always music playing. And what made me really fall in love with Roanoke, Virginia was Every time I went to a party my freshman year, amazing music would be playing in the background. And I found myself many times seeking out the host of the party to ask him or her, like, hey, what, what's going on on your stereo right here? Could you tell me? Half the time I got a who the hell are you walk away response. And other times it was like, oh, hey, yeah, come sit down. Let's, you know, sure. let me share. And then usually I'd wake up the next morning and go right to the record store and get it. So, you know, there obviously wasn't any Spotify or Amazon back then. But Dancing With My Demons just has that party groove to me. It, it This song, uh, and don't take this the wrong way about the other songs, this song just makes me feel really happy. I, I know the lyrics may not necessarily promote sunny times all the time, but the, the groove just makes me want to, it makes me want to just throw a party in my backyard, Jason. So I can't wait to do that again and, <laughs> and influence people to approach me. One of my favorite things in the world is when I quietly put something on and don't say a word to anybody and just kind of go about my business and then slowly watch people come up to me and going, hey, uh, who, who is this? So I can't wait for the future when people are going to be tapping me on the shoulder in my backyard going, hey, this some Dancing Demons song. What, what is this? Who is this? This is good. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, and, yeah, I appreciate and, that. It, Dancing With My Demons became my new, so this is from your song, Dancing With My Demons became my new pastime. So can you share with me what you meant by this? Well, I mean, I wrote it in third person because I started out by saying, he said, you know, there was a time when I thought I had everything figured out. Right. Um, right. Um, so it is about someone else, but honestly, this was a little bit of a prompt. Yeah. It was a little bit of a prompt from, uh, I have a friend who's trying to write a novel and I guess he and I were talking about some songs that were a little bit more abstract mm -hmm. and he kind of challenged me to write a little something that was a little more autobiographical and this i guess probably is one that is the closest to that i did think i had it all figured out and i feel like it's it's a bit, a bit universal because i feel like we all feel like that when we're 17. Totally. um and then i did go to the out to the real world and i i managed to <laughs> get everything wrong for like quite a long time <laughs> so call it like a character building decade so it's what your 20s are yeah exactly so, what your 20s are and looking back yeah so it's just a fun kind of play on that so is um, it in the third is it did you say you did write it in the third person or is it is it more autobiographical I, the first person well, you know, between you and I, it starts off with me trying to, to deflect any of this as being part of actually the stuff that I did, but yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so did you, did you, when you say like, you know, dancing with my demons became my new pastime, are you talking about reverting back to something that you knew was, was hurting you? And I, I, I asked that and answer this if you want, if you don't, you know, you mentioned the phrase chemical crutch. 
in the song, which got my attention right away. Can we assume that you're not talking about Frosted Flakes, Jason? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and, and this song actually, like if I went back to the notebook, it's there's probably another, I don't know how many other verses, maybe eight or 10, but maybe they were a little bit more revealing. But yeah, my upbringing, there was a lot of, a lot of relations and things like that that had certain things going on and i can't say i was i was completely sheltered from that so yeah but it was more beer drinking and doing things like uh like that but i would say yeah kind of uh but maybe a little metaphorical as well like you know chemical crutch could also mean going back to what you were saying earlier about how sometimes and i'm paraphrasing here i'm not using your exact words but you know you were your you know your own worst enemy i i know i have been for my entire life my own worst enemy i'm my biggest critic so perhaps and i looked at that as well and i was like wow and i'm sitting it's great i'm i'm sitting there at the table listening to this and i'm going through it again and again and i'm like oh chemical crutch he probably means something specific but then i'm like no maybe it's metaphorical and again you don't have to answer this but i think it's cool for the listener it's like maybe it's metaphorical and chemical crutch could be anything and i know for me a crutch like i was saying earlier is you know a lot of times i'm my own biggest enemy um even if i succeed at something i'm constantly and I've got to throw out, I've got to throw this in there. They, they, I'm constantly, you know, the the Bill Belichickian kind of like, yeah, yeah, we played okay. Bill, what do you mean you played okay? You beat them 79 to nothing. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. we've got some areas to improve, but, you know, overall we played, we played okay, you know? So I, I kind of feel like before he even came into my life, I feel like I have always sort of been that way, sort of like downplaying. That's why I like talking to you because I feel like we have a little bit of that in common. And so I'm here... Yeah to say that as much as you might downplay some of your talent, I think that, you know, you've, you've got a lot of it. So I think well, thank that, you. Uh, this isn't going to be an opportunity for a lot more people to hear your music. And so I'm excited about that for sure. So we don't have to dive into chemical crutch. I just, I think this is a great tune. It definitely takes the listener on a, a little bit of a different direction from the previous songs. But like I said earlier, that's what, that's what good albums do, man. I know I, I want to be saying what you said because it is, and I yeah. I like your interpretation of it because that's why it's it's harder for me to like explain specifics because it it's always better to hear like where you went with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Totally. And I've had other people come up and they're like, I know exactly what, and I'm like, okay, tell me. And that's the fun part. It really totally. is. So. Yeah. I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast. Eddie Vedder said it best when Penn came out, he would just never answer. What did you mean by this? He was always like, I, I want the listener to interpret it for themselves, you know? So yeah. Um, rounding out Jason's album are my former plan. And then the uppercut, knockout punch of I'm looking up the reprise and I call it the uppercut knockout punch because I think that that song takes Jason's album from a 10 have you ever seen Spinal Tap to it to an 11 but going back to my former plan the the baseline gives me a little bit of a 90s vibe this is just kind of what I got from it which is not a bad thing I big fan of music all music from the 90s mm-hmm. even hit even hip-hop stuff I love the hip-hop from the 90s in your song the keyboard really sprinkles hints of I think Pink Floyd's Rick Wright the acoustic guitar 
comes in with kind of a, a picking style that takes you on a journey almost a little bluesy. Yeah. And then Jason, your vocals come in and they really complement the track so nicely. I, I think this song really, it rides that mellow cloud the whole way through with the, with the bass and the keys, really keeping that engine running behind everything else. Cynical words like migrating birds appear to know their destination. The fearful prayers fall on their fears compared to those spoken with intention. My former plan lacked faithful man till I met you that lonely day. Now storms approach, but lack compelling force. Cause I run from my deceiving Never knew how much I lacked till I found you And then you sort of suggest the Beatles a day in the life type of ending where the last chord just hangs and hangs and hangs as it slowly fades out naturally. That's an awesome ending, man. I really have to give you a compliment for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the intention? I, I guess, was there, was there a thought in your head? Like, Hey guys, like what if we do kind of like a day in the life type of ending? I think it, this one kind of like took a, a bit of a different life of its own because it was initially just kind of a simple song in like a drop D tuning, which I love. You could uh, never go wrong with a drop D tuning. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's so it kind of once John got the track and and he felt inspired to put that lap steel on there and he was doing that and then he's like I'm also hearing like a Hammond B3 we wanted or you know put a Rhodes on there even in one of the little write-ups on social media I was just like every once in a while there's a track that you just like you go to mix it and you just decide to leave everything in right. like there was nothing I'd we couldn't figure out what to bring or take out so it's actually john calvin abney with the with the roads and then ken played b3 on it and okay. that kind of so it's kind of like a little no quarter kind of meets you know whatever um love it love no quarter yeah so uh it, it it's like an unapologetic kind of nod to like all that stuff and this my intention with this this is the one that i was trying to work the lead part out trying to work something out this is the one that actually inspired me to to try to get a hold of john calvin abney and then (laughs) as i hoped and predicted he knew exactly what he wanted to do um awesome on this and did a wonderful job again i'm a huge jerry garcia fan and like i keep going back to this but it's like if we want to change it up a little bit eight or 10 track record there's always going to be one of these two kind of a little bit of ambient kind of interplay like an open jam so this one would be the one that we could have a lot of fun with live uh but it wasn't scripted to have that lap steel kind of just you know go off into the distance but after we talked about it, it 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 seemed like a good thing to do so i'm glad you I'm glad you like it. Dead, really. I'm really glad you like it. The album's final track is a reprise to the third track, I'm Looking Up, except this is just 
piano. And I feel like Jason was just talking to me when I heard this song, because I was like, okay, all right. I'm throwing up white towels in the air when I was sitting at my table listening to this. There's just such a magic behind a solo piano, Jason, that I can't explain. The, the, the power of a solo piano song, what it has on me, it's just dreamlike. And, and you tease the melody here from the original I'm Looking Up, but it's just piano. It, it, it's almost doing a medley of different pieces of the original track. And although it's not in the exact same chords or even the exact same tempo, it reminds me a little, just a little, uh, of pieces of Pink Floyd's The Wall album where they kind of tease that, we don't need no, just the melody in okay. a bunch of different songs. So I kind of thought to myself, Ooh, he's kind of going for like a concept album type of direction. And I just, I don't hear as many albums by singer songwriters, you know, with that sort of reprise song at the end. And I think you're, you know, you were taking a similar action here. So was that the intent? Well, first of all, thank you again. I mean, the fact that it, it it was compelling enough for you to say what you said. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I mean, all the way through with, with these descriptions, I'm, I'm very humbled with this, the story behind this, I'm looking up when, and I have to make sure that I give uh, John Calvin Abney, like a ton of, uh, if I haven't enough, but wow, here's the thing. When I sent, um, I'm looking up the initial track with the vocal and everything. John had developed a bunch of different things, a, a bunch of different stems. And, you know, when he sent, because we did this remote because it was a pandemic, and he sent these tracks back. And um, the guitar part, you know, he didn't have guitar on I'm looking up because we had a saxophone break, but he had a piano uh, part, upright piano. He said that's what he heard when he initially listened to the song. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, so what he had for I'm Looking Up was a piano part, a piano piece that went the whole length of the song. And, and I listened to this piano, uh, the stem of the track that he sent me with just the upright piano. And exactly what you described to me just now was exactly, I listened to this literally 
I can't even tell you how many times I, I it and I immediately thought like Richard Wright, Pink Floyd, us and them, the okay, early passed the test. Okay. Okay. So it starts really percolating in my brain, and I'm like, this can't happen. I can't because we couldn't use all the piano, and I'm looking up. So I I reached back out to John and I said, we, I'm either going to release this whole piano piece as a standalone. And then I told him, and as it turned out, Richard, Richard Wright was one of his favorite composers, one of his all time most influential. And John's a trained, uh, classically trained pianist or a piano player, I should say. Um, Pianist. Yeah. So everything lined up. And I said, here's, I got a crazy idea. He's like, what is it? I want to do a reprise. I want to feature the piano and we'll do strings almost like, and I heard you and uh, Danny Horowitz talking about the Eagles, but I'm from that generation too. And when Wasted Time comes on or new, you know, those reprise things, like in a classic sense, and we talked about it and he said, have to do it a certain way. And um, that John worked on that piece, that piano piece, and um, did the arrangement for the cello and the multiple violin parts. That's what it came. That's what it, that's what came back. It was a crazy idea, but it wasn't so crazy because it, when I threw it out there, it was like instantly we knew that we wanted to go for it. So yeah. that's how that came about. <laughs> that's kind of a long explanation, but no, not at all. It gives so me a lot more like insight, it. and for for the listeners out there. You guys are going to be blown away. I mean, it's just, it's, this is a, this is a top-notch album and the production, the recording, the quality, if anything, there's only, the only thing that I didn't like is you made me more self-conscious about the stuff that I'm recording. So I went back and I'm like, all right, I have to, I have to up my quality now. So no, I mean, you, you, you put all the effort into it and, and my guess is that you guys were working tirelessly for hours on this and you really wanted to, you know, without jeopardizing your, your creativity, you wanted to really make it the best that you could and put the best thing forward. And I can remember times where it was two o'clock in the morning and I was like, let's just move forward with this one. Well, we've done 10 takes. I'm good. So sometimes I have a lot of, I shouldn't say sometimes, I do have a lot of respect for those who want to, you know, who want to perfect it. And it sounds like you guys really, really did this. So wanted to move on to a couple other things before coming back to your album again, but I'm always interested in getting musicians takes on this. What do you think about the quote unquote music industry these days, Jason? Oh boy, that's a big little bit question. of a turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, guess, I guess if you don't mind, like I can I'll maybe lead you a little bit, but to kind of get to not necessarily what I want you to say, but just where I'm kind of going with this is like, I go out there to listen to new music and, and I don't, a lot of times I don't really know where to go. And, you know, maybe I've answered some of my own questions because I found you on Instagram. If you had asked me five years ago, if I would have ever gotten an Instagram, I would have given you a 45 minute speech as to why I would never touch it. And I honestly have to say yeah. now that it's introduced me to another world. And I, what I like about it is I can kind of choose that. So it's like, if I don't like this certain thing, then I, I can choose not to, not to look at it. And so, but with the music industry, you and I grew up in a similar time where it was sort of like, you could argue, we were sort of told what to listen to. And what I mean by that is, 
You turn on the radio, you turn on MTV, you walk past your sister's bedroom or your brother's bedroom. Today, where does this stuff like, you know, I guess there's not really one place to go. And so I always wonder how musicians can really make money these days for those that want to pursue music as a career. So I guess yeah. from that standpoint, like, you know, how do you think it's changed? And now that you're really, you're releasing albums, I'd be shocked if you haven't already or in the near future, you're going to get approached by somebody who's going to want to talk seriously about, about something. I, so that's kind of what I meant by that question. Hopefully okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the music industry now is it's, there's a long list of pros and cons. And I think that you pointed out a good thing. If it's social media driven, when there's people that think that there's only uh, it, that would be a con. But what I found out too, uh, and I agree with you, even on Instagram, the type of people that... If you were putting a plan be, together... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll trace back to like the way I released this record because I can talk to that. Instead of doing a global, like, this is what I think about, you know, and maybe we get to that. But so for this record, as far as the music business as it sits right now, I I chose to like release this whole record at one time and if you read any of the you know prior to the prior to the release uh i hadn't done my fair share of youtube tutorials and and different uh blogs and things so this isn't how you do it now this is uh, the way i did it is not the way to quote unquote do this you're supposed to have a single do a certain formula that's going to lead up to your new music Friday playlist and so on with Spotify and do everything to pitch it on Spotify. And there's a lot, there's so much that I need to learn. Unbelievable. There's like, if you do this right, this formula, you can get on these bigger playlists. Um, right. You can get on, you know, the people that are doing the major influencing, almost like two generations ago, what a DJ would be you know, and you'd go to the booth and you'd give them whatever the record. So it's a different, a different world, but it's conceptually like there's similarities there um, with the pitch. And so everything had to be a single at a time. And I chose to, I couldn't do that. I had no footprint in, in the industry at all. There was no sightings of me ever. Uh, it needed to be the whole record for me this time. Um, so I'm not on any big playlist now and I feel very honored if I get added to any playlist because it's just a cool feeling uh anybody that hits follow on Spotify is is I mean it, people don't realize that jars the algorithm right you know what I mean so it's a different world a different scenario but for me if people looked at the way I did this and the whole record all at once uh they'd be like yeah but I needed to do it that way um and now I have this and then I can move forward because you have to set up the distributorship and the Spotify account and all that stuff. And I didn't know how to do any of that other. Now I kind of think I know. Mm -hmm. So for the next record, it might be a single at a time the way everybody's doing it now. And I think that I'll have a grasp on that as time goes on, because I love putting on an album, you know, a whole record. And if it oh, goes man. from one song to the next and you can get through eight or 10 tracks and there's kind of a, uh, an ebb and a flow. Uh, so I'm happy with it. Um, but 
that's just the way I needed to do it, but I need to, it's, you have to be, you have to educate, <laughs> but also I'll say this in terms of social media, like I never thought I would ever have an Instagram account. So, um, I, I, I'm no good at self-promotion and all that is foreign. And, but when I, I asked people to listen to my record on, um, Facebook and I was like blown away. Like they did. Yeah. And they went to Bandcamp and and listened and right. and they went to Spotify when it finally went to Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon. Right. And then and then of course my daughters they said, you know, Instagram, you go try it. And I and I was, you know, very unaware of what could be over there it's been pretty much an eye opener for me because it's there's so many talented people and i'm like enriched right. by it i mean i'm enriched by it but i'm also like overwhelmed by it totally you it, know what i mean you prove so, my point it's like i go out there and i'm like there's <laughs> so much talent out here which is great you know and the argument against is but now you can really hear anything greg you have the world is your oyster but then right. it's like yeah but if I'm a if I'm a musician and I I guess I'm looking at this if if I'm in a situation where I'm like all right I'm putting all my cards on the table I'm quitting my day job I'm going to be mm -hmm. a musician how do I do it where do I you know and 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 that's sometimes where I I stumble because I'm like how does anyone do it you know I guess you have to put yourself out there like you were just saying on these platforms yeah and um, and it's really about like okay you know today. I think power is, you know, my, my kids watch YouTube today. Power is how many subscribers, how many views, you know? So right. if you call up a record company and they're like, Jason, who? And you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I got 3 million followers on my, oh, Jason, how are you? You know? So that's kind of where it is today. And I guess I really want to make sure I don't steer any of my podcast episodes way too far in a direction, but this is called albumreview.net. And I really want to band together with, with everyone who is a fan of the album, because I think that yeah. there's a reason that albums were put out and it's a, it's a, it's a journey. It's an adventure. And the, some of the points that I hopefully was trying to make or hopefully did make with your album is that Everything is pieced together, in my opinion, so well, like a Pink Floyd album, like a, a Rush album, where you, you're going from different mood to different mood, and that's the purpose of an album, I think. So anyway, uh, now I'm going on a tangent, but I, I'm really <laughs> interested in your, you know, and thank you for sharing your take on the music industry. And I guess, yeah. you know, like everyone else I've asked you, respectfully, you've answered kind of in a similar manner where it's like, well, you just got to get yourself out there. We got to use these platforms. And I did recently read a book uh, that I put up on my website, the Spotify play, which is the history of Spotify and bringing okay. it from inception to where it is today. And I actually enabled me to gain a little bit more respect for it because I really do feel, and some may disagree that they did try their best or have been trying somewhat to, you know, pay it back to the artists, right? Because that's really at the end of the day, I felt dirty 20 years ago, like downloading music. And people were like, <laughs> Greg, who cares, man? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. I just do. These people work their butts off. And um, I got a lot of weird looks from that. So thank you for answering that. And I guess, 
at the end yeah. of the day, it's, it's really, you got to put yourself out there. And, but you know, you're on Spotify. I can go on Spotify. I can go on Amazon music. I can go on Apple music, type your name in and, you know, J A S O N M I R E K for those of you listening and, uh, and his stuff's going to pull up and that's just, that's just awesome. It's fun. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And for all what might be there, you know, the drawbacks to the way it is, it's, you know, there's dozens of artists that I would have never discovered because I was a Pandora guy before I was ever. I think we all were a, right? a that Spotify guy. And I'd be right. like, hey, if you listen to like I could make a list of 50 people that I listen to, like an almost constant rotation that I may not have ever heard of had they not figured me out. Uh, the so, algorithms are incredible. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, you know, as a music lover, it's it's incredible. And, and there are so many uh, wonderful uh, people, uh, musicians, talented. And it makes me want to practice, makes me want to get better right. um, and learn. And then, but every once in a while, I'll get even on Instagram, somebody from England or Ireland will, you know, it, side conversation will turn into like a potential collaboration. It That's doesn't awesome. happen that often, but if you, then again, it's, it's, uh, if you stay, Hopefully I'll stay consistent enough with it where I meet more people. And when we get some live stuff together, we have places to go where people, you know, want to play uh, music together. So that, leads, that leads me into my next question. Are, I know we're still kind of in pandemic times. Some may call it post pandemic times, but are you, or have you already played some live shows? Are you planning on playing any live shows in support of the album? Or I guess, would you ever consider touring? I think it's in the future. I think it's inevitable for me at this point. It's more me behind the scenes. I, I think I want to, at this point, my goal with the way things are right now is to do another record or two um, and do some smaller things, kind of build a body of work, a little bit more material. And, and I feel like hopefully in, in the spring and summer of this next year, I'll get out and start to do some smaller festivals or, you know, local things and then see what comes of it. Yeah. But right now I'm just going to try to get more songs done so that there's more material. Cause I feel like that's maybe the best use of my time right now, just right. because I've got two, a uh, bunch of other things going on with, <laughs> you know, yeah, what I'm doing day job wise. So right, yeah, right. I'm going to try to piece that together and, and talking to some people about getting some things together in this part of New York and uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio, and hopefully spring and summer, we see some of that uh, happen. Awesome. awesome. Get out there. Yeah. Uh, okay. A little bit of a left turn question and I, and we're, yeah. we're getting close to wrapping up here, but I always like to ask this what inspires you, Jason? And long pause is acceptable, by the way. Well, I feel kind of like that could go in all kinds of different directions. Um, but truthfully, I think almost everything like i just i feel a lot of things do i guess the biggest inspiration for me now is is the fact that uh family you know when we talked about career music social media and things like that it makes me really happy to know that this is going to be um this is here uh for my 
for my kids and and that inspires me my wife likes the songs and we listen to them now and then that's and, important uh, <laughs> very important so i mean as far as inspiration yeah that's that gets me and i feel like i want to keep on get getting better um but almost everything i feel like a big kid honestly because i can be even working with the students that I have and they don't understand that I am as inspired and motivated by them, what you're doing. Now you're doing what you're doing. Anybody that's doing something and pursuing something that they want to like that, it, it feeds something, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So, I know exactly. What um, yeah. So, and I mean, and it's contagious. I think. It is, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. So it's, it's, it's tons of things so yeah. it's hard it's hard to narrow it down but i, I feel like i'm kind of a geek when it comes to that because i'm i'm i wrote a well this is odd but i met an older guy uh in an antique store we talked about music and uh he ended up buying a cd and and as it turned out uh he was a guy that had composed a lot of music when he was younger and we ended up talking and it's like any of that stuff inspires me but the fact of the matter is is like i gave time to try to figure out what the reason was behind he and i meeting yeah so you'll probably edit this out but not yet had one of had one of the most wonderful conversations with this older guy as it turns out in the 70s he composed the music for a movie called gone in 60 seconds it's uh and and had done like scores for Broadway musicals and things like that. Had I not given that some, I could have just walked by. Totally. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. You bring up a great point. I've found myself, and this might get really deep, but I feel like you could connect on this. We could connect on this. I lost a family member, a close family member within the last year. And it's, taught me so much living every day, you know, taking your advice from your music. And, but I've found myself now in many cases, sometimes I'll catch myself and this might sound weird, but I'll catch myself some, a person will walk by and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I wonder if she's happy right now, or I wonder if he's happier. I wonder what's going on in that guy's life. Right. I wonder if that guy would ever want to sit down with a, a glass of scotch and just talk, you know, and as we are coming up to the Thanksgiving Day holiday, I think the greatest thing for me about Thanksgiving is not only stuffing my face and listening to jazz sure. records on my old school record player, but I love sitting around the table and just talking and listening to other people's life's experiences. And yeah. so you bring up an awesome point there that here's this guy walking through an antique shop. And if you hadn't stopped and said something, you would have never known. I'm thankful for, you know, the day I stumbled upon your Instagram page and and just started listening to some of your music. I could have easily just scrolled by and gone off eating, finishing my coffee and my my English muffin, but I was like, I'm going to reach out to this guy and and just see what he says. I think if I would if I'd been dancing with my demons, you know, the voices in my head who might have said, "Nah, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to want to talk, you know, yeah." So, um so I, I find that very inspirational and I, I totally get your point. So, all right, before we end here, Jason, can you, can you tell everyone, I think we mentioned a little bit before, but tell everybody where we can go to listen to Best Way to Be Free. 
Well, it's on all of those uh, streaming platforms. Everywhere. So, Isn't that a great place? Yeah. Isn't that a great thing to say? Anywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you can ask Alexa politely or you can play on Amazon and Spotify. Actually, we're going to be working on a video uh, soon, like a proper video, but the 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 videos with just kind of the stock album cover on are on YouTube because a lot of people you know like YouTube and I'm hoping that I can put some oh, yeah. visual interpretations to some of the songs but pretty much anywhere and then Bandcamp I have CDs if anybody listens to those I've had uh, a lot of people approach me I have a truck that has a CD player but not everybody does. so do I so do I um, yeah. Oh, yeah I wouldn't yeah so but they're they're available and there's downloads on uh, Bandcamp as well, awesome. which and for music fans, I, I love Bandcamp. I mean, I've discovered a ton of great music on Bandcamp as well. And they Same. really they do a really nice job to help artists um, there so they you can put, you know, albums and vinyl on there and they, they do a great job as far as a platform for people who don't have promotion companies and things, and you can develop your website on there and, and people can find you. So that's it's a great a cool, tool. I agree with you it as is. well. It's a huge yeah. shout out to them too. So before I let you go, is there anything else that we might've missed or anything else that you'd like to add at all about anything, Jason? Mm. I think you asked a lot of great questions. I, I honestly just appreciate the fact that you asked me to talk about the record and I feel honored. Totally. The honor is all mine, my friend. So thank um, you so much. I, I, you know, thanks for joining me here today and talking about your journey as a musician. And again, our listeners, you can pick up a copy of this album, Best Way to Be Free by going to Bandcamp, or you can listen to it if you subscribe to any of these other, yeah, you can go anywhere, right? So I think nowadays people know what we're, you know, what we're talking about. You can also follow Jason on Instagram at, um, at Jason Myrick. Uh, and that's J-A-S-O-N-M-I-R-E-K, all one word. And then on Facebook at, at Jason Myrick Music. Yep. Correct? Yeah, I okay. forgot to mention Instagram. And and some people have talked about the other uh, formats. I haven't done those yet, but maybe in the TikTok future. is next, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> we'll yeah, see I you dancing know. on TikTok. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know if that's... <laughs> Please, please let me be the first to see that before you launch it out to the to the world i would love to be i would love to see that oh my gosh um well jason thank you again i've really enjoyed this conversation this is thank you this is an awesome start to the weekend for me please come back let's let's review an album together on a future podcast oh, episode. i love that i love um, that i think that uh we could probably stretch one into a four or five hour session so mm. but uh i just have to say i'm so honored to have you as a, as a guest here and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me man thank you you're very this welcome Thank you again for listening to the albumreview.net podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jason Myrick as we reviewed his 2021 album titled Best Way to Be Free. And thank you again to Jason for joining me and opening up about his strengths and his weaknesses and opportunities in his life. We all have a man. Remember, you can pick up a copy of Jason's album Best Way to Be Free by going to albumreview.net. I'll have the links up there for it. You can also find it on Spotify. If you're interested in any of the albums I've discussed in this episode or previous episodes, just go to albumreview.net and pick up a copy of your own. 
Listen to all of my podcast album reviews at albumreview.net, also by clicking on the podcast tab. They can be heard wherever podcasts are available as well. All right, lastly, I do want to hear from you. Please email me your feedback, album review requests, and any questions you may have to gpotters at albumreview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at albumreview.net. Stay tuned for updates on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at albumreviewnet. Join the mailing list, which is on the homepage of the website, or just keep refreshing your podcast feed. Just read and listen. Thanks again, guys. Keep on listening, keep on reading, and keep on learning. Bobo out. down by the highway take a trip 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 down by